the Luke Skywalker X-Wing Pilot from the Star Wars Action Figures Collection, each sold separately. I'm Jawa. Want to buy a droid? Sure, what you got? It's R5-D4 and the Power Droid. So. And here's Greedo, Han Solo, and Walrus Man. You've had it now, Solo. Yeah. Greedo, it's Ben Kenobi and his lightsaber. We're in trouble. Let's get out of here. Luke Skywalker X-Wing Pilot, R5-D4, Greedo, and other action figures sold separately from Kenner. Will you get on with it? Okay, okay. Welcome to Galaxy of Toys Podcast, a discussion about Star Wars toys of the past, present, and future. This is our 17th episode. My name is Jason, and joining me tonight from IGrewUpStarWars.com, it's Tom. Hello, Tom. Hey, guys. How is it going? Pretty good. How you doing? Just great. Just great. Also joining us tonight from JediBusiness.com, it's Chris B. Hello, Chris. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? And from Bendem to the Black Series, he collects them all. It's our good friend, Ryan. Hey, how's it going? Our special guest tonight from Rebel Force Radio, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Wait a second. What show is it? <laughs> that sounds so familiar. <laughs> What's up, Roskies? How are you doing tonight, Jimmy? Great, great. I'm really looking forward to talking about some uh, good old-fashioned vintage Star Wars memories with you guys. That's right, and that's what this show is all about. Jimmy, I think I've made the mistake of drinking too much NyQuil before the show. Oh, crap. you know what? That makes two of us, so you're in good. Oh, okay, good. Okay, uh, remember, you can contact us at galaxyoftoys at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook. Uh, I don't know. Look for you can us. find us at the Facebook. I say this every week, and now I've just got tongue-tied. Look for us on Facebook. Facebook.com galaxy slash Galaxy of Toys. That that's, is that's right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> so tonight we are going to continue our vintage retrospective, and this is kind of a follow-up to our 12th episode that we did a couple months ago with uh, author Mark Belomo. We were talking about the early days of Kenner. We are kind of moving into their second uh, wave, so, so to speak, of Star Wars toys, and... Let's just start right off with the three and three quarter inch action figures. When we talked last, we talked briefly about Blue Snaggletooth. The single carded figure came out and he was red. Tom, what's your thought on red Snaggletooth? Well, what's not to like about red Snaggletooth? Number one, the card back has a picture of our friend Snaggy in the cantina, but Akmina's cantina. Did you know that? Yes, yes. Yeah. Very special, yes. Yeah, so really, unofficially, this uh, Red Snaggletooth might be the only holiday special vintage figure that was ever released. That That is pretty mind-blowing, eh? <laughs> yeah. So who doesn't like that? So, yeah, I've got uh, nothing but love for Red Snaggy. Chris, Red Snaggletooth. I had him when I was a kid. Not one of my favorite figures, but um, yeah, I, I still have the figure that I had when I was a kid, so, yeah. Ryan? Uh, yeah, I had uh, I had the red snaggletooth as a kid. Um, I thought it was an interesting figure. I thought his arms seemed kind of freakishly long for uh, who he is. But in my play value, he was always Bosk's son or something like that. Are you? Uh, do you know any snaggletooths uh, personally, Ryan? How can you say that? How can you say that his arms are too long? Um, well, it's a little I, insulting, I, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm guessing based on what the original version was that they didn't change the length of his arms when they changed the length of his legs. So. Um, <laughs> His arms do seem a little long. <laughs> Jimmy Mack, uh, Red Snaggletooth. 
I just want to address some things Ryan just said because I'm terribly insulted. Everyone knows that October, along with being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, is Snaggletooth Equality Month. <laughs> and to make a statement about the length of his arms that way, it's, that's <laughs> stereotypical and, um, and just downright mean. So, Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, but he does have freak, freakish <laughs> arms, I think is what you said. They do seem yeah. uh, more appropriate for a, a taller action figure. While Red Snaggletooth, I remember the day I first got that action figure. Um, I, the entire wave we're talking about here, all eight right. figures, uh, were released in early 1979. And I uh, recall it was my, my 10th birthday party in March of that year. It wasn't really a party. It was just a dinner with my mom and dad and my brother and my sister. And they handed over some gifts for me to open. And they were in old Marshall Fields boxes. So I thought I was going to be getting a sweater or maybe some uh, some slacks. You know, the, the last thing a kid wants to open up uh, when he's when it's his birthday. But my mom was being tricky, and she put those carded figures in these clothes boxes. So when I opened them up, I was just shocked. And I remember the first thing I said to her was, how did you find these? Because, let's face it, distribution back then was not much better than it is now as far as action figures go. And, and yes, when the, when the waves did come out, they were scarce at first. And you would see the, the commercials on TV, and you'd be so excited. Someday I'll be able to find these figures. And I remember asking her where she got them, and uh, she told me it was at the Jewel Osco right across the street from where we were having dinner in Glenview, Illinois, on Waukegan Road. So afterwards, we went over over there just to pick up some milk or whatever and sure enough there they were and the the figures were hanging uh not on the pegs as we traditionally see them nowadays at target or toys r us or walmart but they were in uh spinning racks and so i would walk over and spin the rack and sure enough they were all there and red snaggy was there and i remember thinking to myself wow you know he does look different that picture on the back definitely from the holiday special not the snaggletooth that was actually in a new hope the snaggletooth in a new hope you can briefly see sitting to the left of han and chewbacca as the sand troopers walk by through the cantina and give them sort of a double take and they look yeah, he- the sand, the, the snags in the uh, uh, the A and H Cantina. He kind of looks like he's kind of a balding, schlubby looking dude, isn't he, Jimmy? Like with a, a humpback, right? And, uh, <laughs> just sort of you know leaning over, and he just he doesn't resemble the the fun loving Snaggletooth we got in plastic form. That he seemed like he was a character who was hanging at the Cantina and happy to be there. You know, right? Drinks for all my friends. That's what I think of when I look at that little figure. Um, But I hope I do hope you said you talked about Blue Snaggletooth already. Well, that's kind of where we were leaving off last time with Blue. Um, We briefly briefly talked about how they transitioned the the Sears Cantina figure set from Blue to Red. Some of the sets have Blue. Some actually do have Red. Um, Were you aware of the Blue Snaggletooth when you got the Red Snaggletooth? You know, not when I first got the figure. It wasn't until I paid a visit to the Sears at Northbrook Court, and I would go there with my parents a lot. They shopped there a lot. And I remember always being on the lower level of that Sears and telling my dad I was going to go over and look at the toys while he was looking at the craftsman tools, which were handily in the, the, the section right next to the toy section. And I always remember the place smelled really good because there was a candy 
uh, counter there. And at that candy counter, they also were popping popcorn and they had nuts under hot lights. So you had like peanuts, walnuts, pecans, whatever. And it was under these hot lights. It just, it was a real nice smell down there to the toy aisle. <laughs> and they had the catalogs and I was flipping through the catalogs and I spotted blue snaggletooth. And I said, this is a figure I don't have. I have to have it. So both myself and my brother asked, for that for Christmas. We were always allowed to pick at least one thing out of the Sears catalog for Christmas. And knowing that even back then we knew that that was an exclusive to this set. And we knew the only way to get it was to get it out of the catalog. So we both asked for and received that cantina, that creature cantina place that what did they, what did they name that? It wasn't the creature cantina. It was called, um, came with a cardboard backdrop. So you had right, right, right. outside of the cantina. So I always pictured myself having the vintage Kenner Cantina playset with the plastic base and the, the doors that would spring open. And that would be on one side. And then on the other side, I would have this cardboard cutout. And so it would be, you know, a fully immersive environment where the creatures could be walking in and out. And we could have 3PO and R2 standing out there with the dewback. And uh, that's how I played. And I was able to keep that and the boxes for years and years. But somehow, when I was away to college in the late 80s, early 90s, we suffered the, the, the tragic basement flood which uh, the sump pump couldn't keep up with heavy rainwaters and all of our Kenner boxes and cardboard backdrops, and we had it all, got smoked. And I was so upset to learn that, especially when I got back into collecting in the early 90s. And uh, actually, I got back into collecting around the late 80s when I started finding Star Wars figures for like 50 cents a piece, Power of the Force figures with the coin and everything. So I started getting back into collecting then, and then that's when I discovered that uh, we had lost all the boxes and everything. Oh. So depressed about that. Yeah. Um, that's that's yeah, a bummer. So both myself and my brother uh, did receive that Creature Cantina. We had the three figures already in there, Hammerhead, Walrus Man, and Snags. Um, oh, I'm sorry, not Snaggletooth. Um, Hammerhead, oh, Greedo. And uh, Snaggletooth was the blue one. We both still own our figures with the dented boot. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yep. The groovy silver moon boots. And I don't know where in our own personal continuity we actually placed blue Snaggletooth. Um, but Boss had nothing to do with it. <laughs> that's yeah. only my play value there yeah it's funny i was not even aware of blue snaggletooth until the 90s i i just uh somehow that one just completely passed me by let's just continue with the cantina then we've got uh greedo tom what's your thought on greedo greedo the, the great figure i think that was actually the first uh first of this uh new line or new run of uh star wars figures mm -hmm. so that i think that was the first one that i got yeah, what's uh, what can you say? Greedo can do no wrong, and uh, I don't even want to talk about the whole special edition nonsense. Uh, <laughs> he got the, the the boy got killed, and uh, he went out like a sucker. Now, do you think do you think Kenner should have given him a, an orange vest, or are you happy that he's all green? No, I, you know what? I like these great uh, disco-y kind of outfits. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a lot to say about Hammerhead when he comes up, mm -hmm. but uh, it doesn't bother me at all. Yep. Uh, authentic, forget. Who cares about that? Just as long as we had, just we, as long as we had a Greedo, I was, uh, I was, I was cool with that. And Ryan Greedo. Uh, Greedo is actually one of those figures. Like I, 
it's probably the first figure I actually remember going to buy. Um, like, I had figures before Greedo for sure, but I, I remember when I lived in Edwards, uh, my parents took me to our little toy store that was on base there. And my next-door neighbor had, had Greedo, and I saw him on the pegs, and so I wanted to buy Greedo. And, and so I, I specifically remember getting him, which I, I think that may be the very first figure I remember getting, even though I had figures before that. But um, it's also interesting that he was one of the few figures to hold the blaster in his left hand, um, which I thought was interesting as a kid, because uh, that's the only place you could put his blaster, because his other hand was open. Huh, Southpaw still went out like a sucker. <laughs> um, Chris... What's your thought on the Greedo figure? Um, I guess it's okay. You know, when I was a kid, the uh, the first movie I saw was Return of the Jedi, so uh, I couldn't really re- uh, really relate to Greedo uh, all that much. Um, he kind of always hung around in my my Jabba the Hut playset somehow. But um, yeah, I was more into all the uh, Jabba the Hut aliens, and Greedo kind of just he kind of fit in there. There were some uh, there were yeah. some Greedo dudes in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. back then though, you know, if you remember. I mean, I just only saw the movie in the theaters, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Vito, Speedo, Mito, and Alito, I think they were. <laughs> yeah, it's an okay figure, you know? It's Yeah, I think Greedo's probably my favorite from this second wave. But, uh, Jimmy, what do you think about Greedo? Well, I was really impressed with the figure when I first got him. Like I said, I got him in that original eight-figure wave that was courtesy of my mom and dad on my 10th birthday. And um, the thing that impressed me the most of the figure was the fact that the head sculpt, to me, was dead on accurate and what i liked about it was sure i was impressed by the original 12 back vader head sculpt and the 3po but they were all just monochromatic they were one color now you're getting a complex character sculpt with multiple coloring on it so his eyes were blue and they had a little white dot i guess to indicate the the reflection of the light from the lamps hanging down at the cantina and uh he had uh, just this great i thought screen accurate look now when you get below the neck it is different it is disco spaceman but greedo was intended to be a martian he, not a, a, a Rodian, as, as they call him now. He was known on the set as a Martian. Or George would just refer to the entire race as Greedos. <laughs> and um, what I thought also was cool about the figure, and I don't know if this is consistent with every figure that came off the assembly line, but his thumb and his forefinger on his blaster hand were welded together. And yes. So he would hold on to that blaster so well. That guy had a death grip. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> a, a solid grip. And so you would never lose Greedo's blaster. I would lose every blaster, but I would never lose Greedo's. And he used the same blaster as Han, and I think I still have that original blaster, you know, in the death grip, if you will. And uh, so I thought the figure was so cool on so many different levels. And then when you watch A New Hope, it's always funny to me that in the scene right after Han blasts Greedo and walks out there, sorry about the mess. As soon as he, as soon as that scene's over, there's a cross cut, and it shows Luke and Obi Wan walking down the alley, and Greedo is right behind them. <laughs> yes, that's, oh, that's Speedo. That's Speedo. Greedo's Speedo. half half cousin. Yeah. And yeah, they, they are featured prominently there in the um, in Jabba's palace. Uh, there's a couple of them I know, and one of them is Beedo, and that's because uh, the the tops card of the time had a, a Beto trading card. So, so uh, did it really? Yeah. So, and so all the kids on the playground, then of course would be jumping to conclusions. Yeah. It's Greedo's cousin Beto. 
I'm like, yeah, but what about that one that's walking around Moss Eisley right after Greedo got shot? I always figured he just, you know, after Han walked out, he just kind of snapped to and went, and just walked outside and got a breath of fresh air. (laughs) (laughs) He got stunned instead of, he got stunned instead of actually blasted. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that black hole in his chest, but you know. <laughs> oh well, yeah, and then the sizzling sound there. Of, do, do you think Greedo was made of bacon? <laughs> uh, never mind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm, Greedo bacon. <laughs> yeah, and then when I yeah, and, and and that kind of plays into the holiday special. I was like, oh, Greedo's still alive, and and uh, Walrus Man still has his arm. <laughs> oh, wait till we get to Walrus Man. We should talk about the Walrus Man figure. <laughs> okay, then let's just move to Walrus Man right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys use a similar nickname for this action. <laughs> that I... Ryan's laughing because he knows. I know where you're going. Yeah, we all we all call them what. Butt face. Of course. It was butt face. I mean, I, I looked at him. I go, this ain't like no walrus I'd never seen. You know, it's like, he got an ass on his face. What's up with this action figure, moms? He got an ass on his face. I called him cheeseburger for some reason. I'm not sure why. Tom, you but have I, some yeah. serious issues there. <laughs> I think you need to go talk to somebody about I think that. I need to think I need to think before I open my mouth. <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine Walrus Man trying to eat a cheeseburger. It'd be like, you know, shoving a Big Mac between two butts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things you think kind of had, kind of had a, a, a beige-ish kind of to pinkish kind of, you know, uh, color to it. Yeah, I can uh, now. Now you can't unsee what you've just uh, been described. I know. I'm still in shock here too, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about his flippers? I love the flippers. Yeah, I like him. I mean, it's so campy. But well, well, just, you know, we're going walrus man. We're going all out with the little. Well, they're more froggy kind of flippers, aren't they? They're kind of frog flippers rather than walrus flippers. No, I think they could they could pass for walrus. Flippers. Yeah, they had to do something to walrus him up because let's face it, the face <laughs> looked like an ass. <laughs> did Kenner did Kenner name him Walrus Man? That's a great question. In the Art of Star Wars book, there is a layout of a bunch of sketches by John Molo. And the characters do have names, and that's where I got the Martian name for Greedo, is because that's what Molo designated that. Yeah. As. And and there was you know talk on the set they would they would talk about these characters you know well put put Spaceman over there put Buttface over there you know <laughs> I mean I don't know if they called him Walrus Man on the set but to me that sounds like that sounds like a Kenner thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because <laughs> yeah, Buttface always... wouldn't go too well on a on a, as a kid's action figure card. Walrus Man, to me, in the movie, always looked more spider-like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean, Yeah, 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 yeah. He looked more like a spider than a walrus, really. Um, and I always, I always, when I saw those in the movies, little they always look like fangs or like mandible kind of things. Maybe I'm getting too technical, but that's what I saw when I saw. I, I could see where you could see that, Tom. Yes, yeah, same here. Lucasfilm. You know, you know how much I love spiders, Ryan. Yes, I do. Lucasfilm obviously obviously felt that the character design in A New Hope was kind of flawed because by the time the prequels rolled around, they made it much more obvious that 
it's not a butt. <laughs> it, those are teeth. And so they actually made it like big walrus teeth. And, uh, and so I think that was kind of trying to correct that, you know, the, the limitations they dealt with making a new hope. They, a lot of things were done on the cheap and things didn't exactly come out looking the way that Lucas wanted them to look. But, you know, was, we didn't care. The, the whole thing was amazing to us. Mm-hmm. But they did, you know, they did drastically revise that walrus man look for the prequels. Now, a cool thing is, is that by the time the Clone Wars rolls around season five, Dave Filoni actually featured a walrus man walking through this environment is in these uh, episodes uh, featuring Stephen Stanton's character Gascon. Not exactly the most well-received episodes by fans, but um, they were hanging out on this planet that was essentially was a big, huge void, and they came across a town in the middle of nowhere. The whole planet was a big nowhere, but they found this settlement, and there he is walking the streets of the void planet is Walrus Man with the flipper feet. Yeah, I was really hoping uh, Hasbro was going to release that as a Clone Wars action figure. I remember seeing that. Yeah, but unfortunately, they stopped making Clone Wars figures by the I time know. five rolled around. But, you know, all of those cool um, vintage Kenner designs that he used on the show. I, every time I saw it, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for this to be a you know a, a new figure. But they just they did not follow through on those. No, kind of a shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, very. It'd cool. It'd be nice, like maybe with the the. Um... The mission series, if they did like Walrus Man and Blue Snaggletooth tooth mm-hmm. pack for mm-hmm. Clone Wars, would be that'd, cool. That'd be cool. Keeping with the Cantina characters, let's go to Hammerhead. Uh, Tom, what's your what's your uh, what's your memory of Hammerhead, or what do you think about Hammerhead? You mean the the Hammerhead brown creature wearing the old granny swimming suit? Yeah, is that the one we're talking about? Of course. <laughs> yeah, very very cool. This one this one was actually I when I was a kid when I used to play with Hammerhead, I was just amazed because of the detail. The veins in his arms and stuff like that. That was just really cool to me. And uh, this was one of my favorite vintage figures for sure. Yeah. Now, when you were a kid, did you just did you separate your figures into good guys and bad guys, like with no gray area? Because that's that's how I. Oh yeah, yeah. They weren't. They were not. You you couldn't be a buddy with a stormtrooper. Now was was Hammerhead to you? Was he a good guy or a bad guy? He was a bad guy. Okay. Is yeah. it because of the the Creature Cantina commercial where uh, Hansel like just shoots him and says, "Sorry, Hammerhead." Well, you, did you guys have you guys ever seen my uh, yeah the uh, uh, Hooligan Han the yeah. uh, video on IgrowUpStarWars.com? Yes. Uh, yeah, he was he was a bad guy, but you know um, he, he had to be because yeah he was kind of pegged to be the bad guy in uh, in the commercials and stuff and you know the. <clears throat> walking into the cantina, you you shouldn't have been there in the first place. Everybody in there was was uh, guilty until proven innocent. Right after Han Solo shoots them all. <laughs> I love that music. Whoa, thing. what a weird place. Really, uh, Han? You walk in there and you start shooting people for no apparent reason. You're a you're a dick. <laughs> but I love the music they used in the old Kenner commercial. Oh. Yeah, that was great. Jimmy, I got to ask you a question. You're an audio guy. Does do any tracks of the um, the Kenner music for the commercials just clean without any um, overdubs from the you know the announcers or the kids playing? Do the, are any of those available or do they locate it or do you know? No, I mean I, I really think those have been lost. Uh, you know, through the course of time, you're dealing with uh, late 70s, early 80s. A lot of that stuff was disposable. Mm-hmm. It was uh, you know kept on tape. And uh, these ad houses, you know, 
would just recycle the tape once a, a ad flight was finished. And so once the Kenner campaign for Star Wars action figures came and went, they probably just recycled the tape. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's no saving it for posterity. Now, it is possible that it could be on the shelf somewhere in some warehouse that an ad agency owns out in L.A. or someplace. But, um, you know, a lot of that stuff has just been scrapped. And if it if it was existing, I mean, someone would have to go in looking for it, know what they're looking for and where to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who's, you know, who's actually in a position to, to take that on. I'm sure that there's some hardcore vintage collectors who have gone through the process of trying to track that recording down. Um, but I don't know who they are or whether or not they were ever successful. But to the best of my knowledge, I've never seen it available online as a downloadable file or I've never been made aware of its existence. I think, uh, I don't know if you guys know Sky over at the uh, archive cast. Uh, what is we it? do. The Kai 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 Kai. Well, I think Sky has done some research into that over the years, or a friend of his has, and maybe they've gone as far as uh, getting a keyboard and trying to recreate it, Um, but uh, that's as as close as I'm aware of anybody actually getting to that recording. Tom, didn't you try to recreate that music with a kazoo or something? I did. I actually actually did that. I've been looking for the original recordings myself for years, and I've never found anything. But uh, when I did one of the videos, I think the hammer – actually, strangely enough, my Hammerhead uh, promotion a couple of years back, I uh, broke out the the kazoo and redid that. I think you can still find that on my website. I've got it isolated here somewhere too, but uh, that's about as close as you're going (laughs) to – maybe that's about as close as you're going to get to those original recordings, which is not very close at all. Any more about Hammerhead before? Before we move on, uh, yeah, I, I can Go talk ahead, a little right. bit about him. All right. So you, you, it's interesting because you talked about, you know, was he a good guy or a bad guy? And I think it's one of the few characters I can look back at, at my childhood play and go, he was kind of a neutral. In fact, I kind of thought of him as kind of like a tree. Like he was uh, some some guy who was turned into a tree and he was trapped like that. I don't know, maybe just because of the brown limbs and and, and all that. But he, to me, he kind of looked like a tree. I thought it was a cool looking figure. But uh. I always pictured him living in a bog. So whenever it was wet and muddy out, we'd break out the hammerhead and there that would be, be his planet. He kind of okay. does look like an ant or something, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I was surprised by the action figure when it first came out for several reasons. I didn't realize that his, let's just call it his neck area, was so long and curved. I thought, just by you know watching the film in the theaters and the perspective I had as a kid, I thought he was just essentially a, a little stalk on a neck with eyes. And so I was surprised to see that his neck went on so long. And then to see him in the bubble, he always had to be facing left or right. Yeah. And because they couldn't have him facing forward because his just his damn neck was so long that it <laughs> truded in front of his body so much that the, they were probably just manufacturing one size bubble at that time. They didn't have the technology to build right. customized sized bubbles for different action figures. Which would explain his uh, splayed out little feet there. I think that added a little bit more support. Moving on, Luke Skywalker with X-Wing gear. Uh, Chris, uh, Luke Skywalker, I know he's your favorite character, probably yeah, mine too. Yeah, character, absolutely. And uh, that was one of my favorite figures when I was a kid, for sure. Yeah, did you use him as Luke, or did you use him as just X-Wing pilots? No, he, he was definitely Luke for me. And I remember that the figure was very difficult to find. There was only uh, one other kid uh, at the playground who had him, and 
it took forever for me to actually find them in a store. And they only had one at the time, and I had to beg and beg and beg until I finally got that figure that day. Um, but I ended up getting him, and I still I still have the figure. It's all beat up and everything, but yeah, I still hold that figure uh, uh, fondly in my memory for sure. Cool. Yeah, Ryan, what do you think about this character, this figure, actually, not the character? Uh, well, you know, I've I've had mine since I was a kid, and uh, I never I didn't I thought it was kind of a funky looking head. Like I never totally understood the look of his face. I, I'm I'm guessing the top, you know, what's what's sticking out of the helmet uh, into his face was supposed to be his visor. Right. So I always thought it was his hair. I did too. Which, Me which, too. You know, it's black. It's not it's his little, hair. <laughs> no, it's actually hair. his. Vi- Let me tell you. Can I cut in here, Ryan? Actually, uh, what, before they were the, before they changed the visors orange. Uh, the X-Wing pilots had black visors before they decided to go with yellow. Wow. So that might be a fallout of uh, the uh, fact that the figure has a black visor. I, I always okay. thought it was his hair is, is, when I was a kid. It wasn't until the 90s that I realized it wasn't. And I always thought, why did they paint his hair black? And then I just said it was wedge. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was the same. Uh, I was of the same school. And also, yeah. I mean, if they did go as far as painting that visor orange, then we'd just be like, why is his hair orange? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe that would have been more acceptable, though. You know, you wouldn't have even thought twice if it was orange. <laughs> but I did consider him to be more of an X-Wing pilot than Luke. I wanted mm-hmm. him to be a different character altogether just so I could flesh out my Star Wars plastic universe with right. or individuals. And um, and uh, I, I, I think that Kenner actually went as far as switching the way they, they marketed the figure, and they actually did for a while market it as just an X-Wing pilot. Mm-hmm. I think in, in one of the waves, or maybe subsequent waves, following Empire Strikes Back, it was marketed as X-Wing pilot and not as Luke Skywalker. In the um, in the Kenner catalog, it just says X-Wing pilot underneath his picture. Yeah. It doesn't even say Luke Skywalker. So oh, there you go. There you go. And then my dog chewed up one of them. I had this Labrador Retriever. <laughs> I love that dog so much, but it, he had such an annoying habit of chewing up my star wars figures there was just something very appealing about the plastic used and it was certain figures too it was you know luke skywalker x-wing yoda loved yoda because yoda was more of a bite-sized thing and i actually believe it or not saw yoda make it make the complete journey through the lab <laughs> well who can you know jimmy who can who can resist the figure new new figure smell apparently your dog couldn't resist and uh, he loved Han Hoth. I, I remember, remember having to replace these figures all the time. But he did chew up one of my Luke X-Wing figures, and I was able to wrestle it away from him. So the damage was minimal. But I decided that, because now it was altered so much, that I took a Sharpie marker and put a mustache on it. And I said, okay, this is now Biggs. <laughs> so, you know, every cloud has a silver lining, I guess. Jimmy, I, did you say I, you caught Yoda on the other end? Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't. I, I saw. I just witnessed it. And that figure is no longer in my collection. Believe me. So that begs the question for me: like, how often did you guys see the original movies in the theaters? Because for me, when I played with the figures, the way I learned about the characters was by looking at at the vintage cartbacks. Right. That's how I kind of learned the names and and what the character looked like and that kinds of stuff. I know for a fact that I watched Star Wars, the first movie in my youth, ten times. Exactly ten times. I never counted, but I probably put myself around ten to a dozen. You know, there was so many re-releases. Every summer it came back out again. Right. 
be like two weeks, return to the galaxy far, far away for two weeks. I remember one of those, they actually gave away Kenner catalogs. And you would get these rebate coupons in them. But, uh, yeah, they actually handed out these Kenner catalogs, like the ones you guys have been talking about, that you would find packaged in with the vehicles and whatnot. Um, I think there's a commercial that uh, covers those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember uh, going back to the theater, like I said, about 10 or 12 times. Yeah, I think that's kind of consistent, even going through the prequels. I, I, I think I saw the prequels about 10 or 12 times in the theater as well. Chris, I lived out in the country, and getting to the movie theater often really wasn't possible. So I only saw the first film once until the re-releases in the 90s. But I lived by the storybook records and the storybooks. Like, that's how I really took it in. I, I, I go along with that. I didn't see the movies that often as well. But, yeah, it was those storybooks that, and, the, and the book on record that really – I mean, that, the, the book on record for Star Wars, I, I, I still have it. But man, I played that thing all the time. Getting back to Luke X-Wing, I, I, I can see where, where Chris is coming from of thinking it was Luke. I kind of went both ways on him in that he was a generic X-Wing pilot and yet, um, a lot of my play value came after Empire. So to me, he really, he worked well as a Dagobah Luke. And I remember I covered one of my Luke X-Wings or my original Luke X-Wing in green Play-Doh. And I think if I can find him around here, he still has green Play-Doh stuck in the crevices of him from, being in the swamp of Dagobah. <laughs> well, hey, Chris, now how about you? You uh, you lived in a uh, suburb of Munich in Germany. Uh, when you went to watch Return of the Jedi, was it easy for you to get to the uh, the theater, the kino? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a theater uh, in the town that I lived. Um, but the thing was, though, like I saw Jedi, and I didn't know that there were other movies. And the right, way I found right. out about other movies was through toy commercials, through the Canon toy commercials, that's when they had um, they had actually actual footage of uh, A&H and Empire in those commercials. And that's all I got. Do you remember what? How many times did you watch Jedi when you were a kid? I can tell you. But it was it sounds kind of similar to what you guys had in that they did re-release the movies uh, in the summertime, and that's when I would go into the city and uh, you know watch. So them. you you eventually watched the the other films in the theater. Absolutely, yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Got but it. I can cool. probably count it uh, on one hand how many times I saw him. Um, so I, I didn't see him like ten times or anything like that. So something else about the, the Luke X-Wing figure is uh, did that also have the blaster hand was with the, the thumb and forefinger sort of Those were fused. Uh, fused. I don't know if they were fused, but it yeah. almost – it was like the, uh, the, the paint app actually fused the fingers together. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm actually, I'm actually looking at one right now, and it's, um, it's not fused. There's a slight gap between them. It may have been fused at some point and came apart, but it wasn't as thick together as, say, Greedo. But uh, he definitely holds his blaster really well. I'd have to look closer at mine. Now, of course, there's the flaw, which is he's not wearing gloves. He's just, you know, barehanded. Oh, and, that's true. You know, so, I mean, that does make him more of a, a legit quality as a Dagobah Luke, because Luke does mm. pull off those gloves when he crash lands in the swamp. And uh, there's that famous shot of Mark Hamill you know, thrashing down those gloves in frustration as he gets out to survey the damage. But, uh, you know, what a great figure that was. And, of course, uh, you know, it, when it was just such a perfect compliment to the X-Wing. You know, you, you didn't feel right about putting that tattoo no. in Luke in the X-Wing. Like, oh, this is just wrong. <laughs> 
Did anybody have an X-Wing without an X-Wing Luke? Like, that that would have been weird, I think. I had an X-Wing Luke without an X-Wing. Oh, that that seems more common, (laughs) probably, huh? (laughs) All right, let's move on. Uh, R5-D4, the the droid that uh, blew up while Luke was uh, purchasing droids. Got a bad motivator. That's right. You know, the EU kind of went into, uh, what, this is the Jedi droid? Give me the Jedi droid! Yeah. Uh... I think it's unconfirmed EU, but... <laughs> yeah, that's in Star Wars. It was in Star Wars Tales. Yeah. It wasn't even, like, fully... Right. I think like, Peter David wrote that. Peter Did Peter David write that one? I think so. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. R5-D4. This was a great... This was a great little droid. Looks a lot like R2, except, you know, they gave him a new uh, head mold to match the uh, the movie character. Um, my grandma bought this figure for me in set, uh, Christmas of 79. She felt so bad because she couldn't find R2-D2 anywhere. So she got me this instead. But I ha- already had R2-D2, so I was really excited to have a new droid, a new figure I didn't have. Um, Tom? What do you think about R5-D4? Yeah, this is uh, actually one that I had, I I received uh, on my birthday in 1979. So that would have made me nine years old. Yeah, good stuff. Um, Love it. uh, You know, uh, the Death Star droid and R5 were were the alternate counterparts to uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 back then. Right, right. And, you know, and when you turn the head, you get the, I don't know if you can hear that or not. Oh, look at that. Yeah, Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, in front of me, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Chris, R5-D4? Yeah, I had to figure. And uh, one of my favorites when I was a kid. Um, it's just something about the, uh, I guess, the colors of the mm-hmm. droid, you know? Um, yeah, I, I love playing with it, for sure. Uh, yeah, R5-D4 was, I, I had him as a kid for some reason. I think he always went in the bathtub, and so his sticker uh, <laughs> went away pretty quickly. And yeah. I know I posted this on uh, on Tob's page at some point about my, my famous R5-D4 who I think still has a blue marble stuff stuck up his butt. Um, <laughs> love, <laughs> although, that, love that story. So far as I know, like I've heard lots of people ask why they keep finding R2s and R5s out there with marbles up their butts. As far as I know, I'm the only one who's ever had an explanation as to why it was actually there. And for me, it was always because it, if you turn it on the, the barrel on the side, it can, it looks like a cannon kind of, you know, you have the legs going down and the barrels like the barrel of a cannon. So the marble was a cannonball, uh, and that's what I remember from my play as a kid. So that's why he got a blue marble stuck stuck up his butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, Jimmy. Your uh, your thoughts on R five D four? You know, I, I did uh, like Ryan says. I, I did assume that that was kind of a cannon feature, and so you know, as far as a, a playability added value, I thought that that was something R two could do, and I was cool with it. And I still believe that's something R2 can do. We just haven't seen it yet. But uh, whether it's marbles <laughs> or not, I don't know. Now, the time, thing, we'll have that. <laughs> the other thing, though, like Ryan is like um, kept referring to R5-D4 as a he, as if he had the masculine programming. But for me, originally watching A New Hope, I thought that that droid, R5-D4, had feminine programming, and it was a love interest for R2. <laughs> <laughs> His girlfriend. Right. I Interesting. Thought, I thought sparks were flying between the two on board the sand crawler. <laughs> now, I guarantee you, next time you watch A New Hope, you will see that scene in a different light. Yeah. Well, well with me on that, I, I thought, oh, my God, look at that. R2 has found someone. And when, when she knew she was splitting from R2, she uh, died of a broken heart. 
it was just too much for her to handle. So, like most women, she had a complete and major meltdown. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, everyone's uh, plans we had, you know, the plans you had set in stone. Now you have to go back to square one. And yeah. it's, this woman is so high maintenance. So, but yes, I, I still to this day kind of like the idea of R5D4 being a chick astromech. Ah, okay. <laughs> so R5 and that's a that is a piece of that is a piece of astromech too. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to uh, what I've always considered the counterpart of R5D4 is the Death Star droid. Try finding one of these even brand new with a uh, perfect black paint app. You can't do it. That black uh, yeah, comes can. right off. Yeah. It, no, you can't. Yeah, you can because when you repaint it, then it looks great. <laughs> yeah, you big, big faker. A big no, faker. I totally, I totally touched mine up. I touched. <laughs> yeah, mine. me too. Oh yeah. There um, you go. Okay, Tom, tell us about the Death Star droid. Great figure. They don't make these anodized droids anymore, which is kind of a bummer. They're uh, they're awesome. Yeah, and uh, I definitely uh, definitely used mine as the kind of the uh, stunt stunt three PO. I did too. Yeah, and, and was this droid ever even on the death star yeah. oh no you know he was on the uh, sand crawler yeah this is the sand yeah. crawler droid. yeah yeah sand this crawler. is more along the lines of the sand crawler droid yeah exactly mix up or something i don't know Could, yeah it would have been an easy repaint to do it black well m- maybe uh, i don't know what the uh, thought of it was but if you had a black death star droid that looked like uh, on the death star maybe it looked too much like vader back then i don't know <laughs> i don't know whatever <laughs> but a good one uh chris your thoughts on our um, i'm sorry you're Chris, your thoughts on Death Star Droid? Uh, yeah, I like the figure, but it's not a figure that I had when I was a child, so uh, I picked one up like a year or two years ago, and it's a cool-looking figure, but I don't really have any uh, child memories that go along with it. Now, what Tom was saying earlier, um, it's hard to find one that has a good paint job still. The one you picked up, how does it look? It looks nice. Yeah. It looks actually really, really nice, um, except for it's a little... It has a few scratches on the chest plate, but the, the black color and everything is, is there, so hmm. uh, it looks looks quite nice. Yeah. wonder if that one wasn't touched up. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> what do you think about the Death Star droid? Yeah, that was the one I sold to Chris. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. No, I never had the Death Star droid as, as a kid. I remember some of my friends having him, but it was one I never had. Um, beyond what, what Tom mentioned about uh, the bla- black always uh, flaking off of it, it's also usually one of the loosest figures from what I found. I, I've probably got four or five of them now, and it always seems to be really, really loose. The limbs are really loose and, and wiggly. Uh, I don't know if you guys have found that too, but oh, to yeah. me, it's my experience. Yeah, agreed, agreed. It's more so than the 3PO. It, it just seemed like uh, whatever they used to mold that silver look, uh, it, it wreaked havoc with the uh, the um, tensileness of the 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 joints you know it's um made it it was just like such a floppy figure you know yeah. it just would like throw it and it yeah. would just splay like, like remember on the old sctv shows when they would throw someone out a window and it was clearly a dummy and they wanted it to look like a dummy to get the laugh that's sort of like the way that this figure <laughs> would 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 react if if you moved it a little bit and as far as like playability and everything i just you know probably at the time it was one of my least favorite figures because it didn't make much of an impact on me it's, as far as a fan being a fan of the film um if you're talking about the death star droid that's in the sand crawler much like i associate the relationship between r2 and r5 as being 
something of a love relationship, you know, where sparks are flying. I, I think that Death Star droid is being a total dick to R2 in the bowels of the Jawa Sandcrawler. He's, he, he seems like he's, he's providing some sort of commentary that is very negative. To yeah, the, he that didn't R2 seem too impressed. No, no. He didn't approve of R2 and R5's relationship. Well, maybe not, because like you guys said, it only seems natural to team those two figures up. So maybe that's where the sparks were really flying, and she was only hitting on R2 just to piss off old Death Star. (laughs) (laughs) It's a love triangle. I'll never watch that scene again and (laughs) not think about this discussion. Never, ever watch a new movie. (laughs) Yeah. Droid love is a very complicated thing. (laughs) He does seem a little carmudgeon-y, doesn't he? He kind of looks away and kind of mumbles to himself. Yeah. It's good oh, stuff. Yeah. Next figure is the power droid. Where does this, how does he figure into all of this, Tom? I never had one of these, and I think the reason was because who wants a box with feet? But uh, nowadays, how can I turn turn down the option of getting a power droid? I, I love these guys. <clears throat> Didn't so much when I was a kid. But uh, I think he's great. Yeah, he's got a lot of character. Tom, I think I'm with you. This is like the only figure from Star Wars that I did not have as a kid, and I didn't even want it either. I don't know why. I like it now, but like you yeah, it's, care. It kind of seemed like they were just uh, – they just kind of uh, phoned that one in for sure. Chris, do you have a power droid in your collection? I do, but again, not when I was a child. Mm-hmm. So it's something I had to pick up later. Now this kind of this you know there was a power droid kind of prominently featured in Return of the Jedi who was getting was he getting tortured or branded I'm not is it is it clear I, th- I thought he was getting tortured myself okay. yeah. tortured. Yeah. No. Uh, 88 was designated a torture droid okay right <laughs> he was a bad little power droid yeah <laughs> I wonder what he did <laughs> Ryan what <laughs> what's your thought on the power droid um, I also didn't have one as a kid, but I actually kind of wanted one. I, I thought it was an interesting-looking figure because as, as far as the mold and, and the basic look of the figure, he looks completely different from any other Star Wars figure that's out there. And, of course, he had the little clicky legs and everything. I thought it was kind of cool, but it wasn't until years later uh, that, that I had my own. So Didn't yeah. he have a little – he has a little smokestack on top too, doesn't he? He's got a little rubber smokestack thingy, yeah. Yeah. What's not to like about this guy? So, so far, all three of us did not own this as a, as a kid. What about you, Jimmy? Of course I did. Yes. That came, you know, that came <laughs> up that, that birthday where I got all eight figures. And uh, the first thing that surprised me about Power Droid was when I originally saw the figure, it was in one of those Kenner catalogs or maybe even on a card back. And it was a prototype. And the prototype was a much lighter blue plastic. And I thought that the power droid only had one leg. I wasn't making the connection between the box that was walking around on the sand crawler to this figure because I obviously didn't know the film as well as I now do. But um, I was surprised when I got the figure to see that, number one, it was a darker colored blue than had been advertised. And number two, that he had the two legs. So when then I go back and see... A New Hope, when it would be re-released again. And then I'd spot him. I'd say, that's the power droid. Okay, I get this now. So, um, and then much to my delight, he made that clicking noise, which bothered parents and fellow brothers and <laughs> sisters. You, what a great 
toy to put in a kid's hand when he really wanted to annoy someone. Yeah. Click, 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 click all night long. So, <laughs> but uh, Power Droid, yeah, another uh, great addition to the collection. And uh, if you can seek out a photo of that prototype, you'll see what I'm saying. You'll notice that it's much lighter blue plastic that they used it was um, possibly a different decal on the front and it does look like the thing has one leg as opposed to two i think the picture that you're referring to uh, uh, i think mostly most of the figures don't look the way they actually did when production time came around yeah death star droid i know had more of an insectoid insectoid kind of head and um going back to the adventure people kind of prototype yeah. for the han uh, the the uh, luke x-wing too so right. they all he was definitely pretty, an adventure person they all oh, look wow. kind of crazy yeah I, i'm yeah, actually looking at the prototype right here in the archive and it's it's actually a different mold even it's got other things on there that oh yeah the, the i think the helmet is silver too isn't it ryan well, i'm looking at the power droid here oh did they start calling the Power Droid Gonk in the 90s, or is that before yeah. that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was yeah. the early 90s, but yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, that, yeah, you know, nobody ever called it the Gonk. That, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a byproduct of the Internet. Yes. That's where that yeah. came from. Yeah, you'd, you'd see the Gonk fan page and be like, what the hell is this? Oh, Power Droid. Gonk. Yeah. Oh, of course, that's why they call him Gonk. Boy, that's stupid. When I, when I got into <laughs> the old uh, Rec Arts uh, Star Wars stuff uh, in the early days of the Internet, uh, Everybody kept referring to Gonk. I'm like, who the hell is Gonk? What is this? And when I find out, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I understand. Now, now these these eight figures were all packaged on what what is commonly known as a twenty back. But there was a ninth figure. Well, Why, actually, yes, 20, there was actually actually it was a twenty first figure for right. Star, for Star Wars. Um, before the Empire packaging, and that was Boba Fett. Um, we've kind of talked before about Boba Fett, and you know he went from firing a rocket to having his rocket glued in his backpack. Tom, what's your uh, what's your thought on the Boba Fett figure? I don't know about you guys, but uh, I waited many a uh, week uh, at my mailbox waiting for my buddy Boba Fett to show up and when he finally did it was uh it was a great day didn't care that the fact uh I didn't even care that his backpack didn't even shoot uh, I think I thought he was really really cool and you had seen and of course I know you'd seen this, the holiday special at that point so oh yes you're familiar yep. with who he was absolutely so most definitely uh most definitely a cool figure mm. uh hands down my favorite of the uh of this run of figures too so yeah he is cool uh chris boba fett yeah i'm with tom on that one such a cool figure i actually ended up having the uh the tri-logo version which is the, the light blue kind of suit oh nice yeah he, that was one of the figures that always kind of let the imperial army when i played you know uh, right next to darth vader so um always always like boba fett so yeah it's a cool figure uh ryan what do you think about the uh, boba fett figure boba fett was awesome i i i'm pretty sure mine came from the mail away um i don't remember but i'm pretty sure that's where he came from and he uh you know jimmy was talking earlier about uh the dogs liking specific uh action figures or whatever and i had that too one of my dogs corsair um he loved to to chew on star wars figures it was like nothing else he chewed on the star wars figures but I know my original Boba Fett has some teeth marks in it still from, from, from the dog, but it's not near as bad as my vintage Tauntaun, which is missing his entire muzzle, uh, which I still have. <laughs> but uh, Boba Fett was just an awesome figure. Even with teeth marks, it was like more battle scars. He was just that cool, you know? Yeah, I didn't actually get Boba Fett till I think Return of the Jedi came out, so it was kind of a while before I got him. Not sure why. Um, Jimmy, what is your, uh, what's your memory of the Boba Fett figure? Well, much like Tom, I have fond memories of... Waiting be for that 
you know, delivery between 12 and 14 weeks. Oh. I don't think it was fond, Jimmy. I think it was more agonizing than uh, fond the memories. Payoff, the payoff was so great when that tiny white mailer box finally showed up in your mailbox. It was just, it was a, a day of celebration. You know, it's like, I, I'm, I, I'm not of the Jewish faith, but I'm sure when a young man celebrates his bar mitzvah, it's a very similar rush. of his, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, The bulb mitzvah. Um, it, it's a, wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I remember, like that. remember they couldn't market it with the rocket firing backpack because a kid purchased an original Battlestar Galactica Cylon Raider Raider ship and he that those things used to fire off little little red pellets and he shot one of those into the back of the throat and it had tragic results thus marketers really pulled back on things that would shoot tiny projectiles and of course the Boba Fett figure was the first Star Wars figure to have that feature and it was probably a direct result of the fact that those Battlestar Galactica vehicles were so popular. They had that that feature where they would fire the the rocket, and um, so I think Star Wars tra- was trying to capitalize on it. And you know, Boba Fett was perfect because he actually had that rocket on his backpack. But unfortunately, when it showed up, it was glued in. Much like you, I was never a big fan of like special features on action figures anyway. And uh, the spring loaded uh, thing, you know, we, you know, if if they did market it that way, we all would have lost that tiny little missile. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, probably uh, one of the rarest accessories for any figure at this exactly. point, right? I would think so. Jimmy, did you take your um, figures to school with you? I was afraid to. You were afraid to. Yeah, I didn't want anyone messing with them. Mm. I didn't want them to get lost or broken, or I didn't want anybody to even touch them. That's why I I don't know about you guys, but I still have the entire collection of Star Wars action figures that I grew up with. And, uh, you know, of course they're not in mint condition, and I don't care. They're in my condition. I conditioned them. It's <laughs> the way they were. And, and so, uh, you know, they're they're like little trophies to me, just the fact that they survived. And, um, yeah, if I had the Boba Fett with the, the rocket-firing backpack, then, of course, I wouldn't have that missile anymore. It would have gone the way of the... Uh, the rope from the Death Star or the, uh, the the training remote from the Millennium Falcon, you know, these these are the things that every kid lost. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah, the, kid lost those accessories. Yep. That would have lasted, that lasted an hour. Still I still remote? have the training remote to my Falcon. I just don't have the arm for it. Uh, see, you know, one. I lost the remote to my Falcon so quickly that I didn't even know it had one. I, <laughs> I was completely oblivious to the thing. First time he was playing with it, he hit a home run with it, and that was it. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, the Boba Fett. And, um, so yeah, I remember getting the white mailer box and we ordered maybe two or three of them. And they had that explanation in there saying this thing was supposed to fire rockets, but as a safety precaution, we have glued that rocket in there. You know, you could send it back for another action figure of your choice, but why would you? I mean, come on, guys. Even to this day, it's still one of my all time favorite action figures, vintage or modern era. It's, one of the the just greatest not exactly screen accurate but so detailed and 
with so much playability because you could pretend that he was shooting flames from his wrist and blasting darts out of his knee. And it was all cool. You know, even though it didn't actually have those features in your mind, it did. And it's still one of the coolest figures out there. I had the pleasure of seeing the prototype up close at Rancho Obi-Wan. And that one actually does have the rocket firing backpack. And no, Steve Sansweet did not let me try it out. (laughs) I asked him, I think he said he's let one person do it in the last 20 years. I think he said it was Seth Green and or or, or Seth threatened to do it or something (laughs) along those lines. But um, but it it is cool to see up close. And uh, and it is just one of the greatest action figures ever produced. So, so here's the thing on that. I know we've all heard the the urban legend or everything, but did you guys have that that friend who said they knew somebody who actually got the rocket firing one? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I had a friend who who kept insisting that his dad worked for Kenner, and that he would you know tell us all the figures that are gonna come out, and you know they never panned out. And we lived in you know we lived in Allendale, Michigan, nowhere near uh, <laughs> Kenner, but he would come up with all kinds of things. <laughs> it's a long commute. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have family dinners that often, but we get all the latest action figure news. So yeah. uh, did you guys ever recall seeing the mock-up they did of the Boba Fett figure? It was, yeah. I don't even think it was ever actually produced. I think it was, uh, I'm not sure, but it was a, a kit bash of all sort of existing figures, maybe with a newly sculpted head. And uh, the first time I saw that picture was, in the insert that came with the vinyl collector cases and the very first run of those, they had that mock-up in the insert. And, um, I thought, I didn't realize that that was a missile coming out of his backpack. I thought it was more like a spike on his helmet, like some German SS, you know, mm-hmm. sergeant or what have you, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize that it was the rocket firing thing. And then, of course, it went through so many different changes by the time it actually came out. It, it's a little more screen accurate than that mock-up. But that mock-up was always something that was in, you know, urban legend or myth to me where I was like, wow, was this ever actually available? Can I find this? You had no way of researching this stuff, you know, unless you had a friend in Michigan who worked at Kenner. Yeah. In, <laughs> Kenner in Cincinnati. Um it's you just you couldn't research this so you would rely on things like the catalogs that came packed in in the vehicles me and jason just talked about this stuff this past week on rebel force radio where jason revealed that he would stick his fingers into the box while his mom was shopping and he was in the toy aisle and as a kid he would he would squeeze that that little catalog out to look at it to get the updates he needed and uh (laughs) So if you ever bought a Kenner vehicle and it didn't have that catalog in it, you know where to look. <laughs> but um, but you know what? I mean, I didn't admit it to him during the show, but I might have done that once or twice myself. <laughs> uh, because, you know, you, you always wanted everything and stuff would come out. And, you know, for me, the only time I ever got anything new was Christmas or my birthday. Maybe I shoveled some snow to earn a few bucks to go and buy a figure or two on my own. But it was a long waiting game. I'd have to wait till the holiday or my birthday to actually get the figures I needed. So it was, uh, you know, it was hard to go into those stores and see those new figures and vehicles on the shelves and 
you know, you just hope that they'd still be there by the time Christmas rolled around so you can tell your parents that that's what you want. Don't get me anything else. That's what I want. I don't want anything else. Don't get me any baseball mitts. Don't get me a bike. I want Star Wars stuff. Please. I've waited all year. <laughs> well, that would explain why my uh, parents always kept it hush-hush whenever she went to the store. That little bastard's going to ask for Star Wars figures again. Gosh darn it. <laughs> I was kind of the same way, especially for Star Wars and Empire. I could pretty much only get figures on my birthday or Christmas, very rarely outside of that. I, I got one figure, I remember, um, before Empire came out. It was Death Squad Commander, and I got him at a Rogers Department store. And I just I remember nice, that. Nice. I just remember it so vividly because it was one of the only figures I did not get on birthday or Christmas. Every time unusual. we went to the store, Jason, that's probably why I shouldn't have kids and I don't have any yet. Uh, they're going to turn out like me, insistent little turds. Every time I went to the <laughs> store, I I not 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 tantrum, but I would uh, I would throw on the tears and. I would I would end up with my new figure, <laughs> Jimmy. I've heard you talk about um, now your vintage collection. You've you've kept it, you know, like a lot of us. You've kept your figures. And did your kid did your kids ever want to play with them? I think I've heard you say on um, on your podcast that you let your kids check out the figures, like like a library system or something. Is that something you you did or <laughs> really? Wow. Would, you know, if they wanted to play with it, I would let them take out a certain number, and then I would cap mm -hmm. them off. I'd say, when you're done playing with those, bring them back, uh -huh. back where you found them, and then you could take, you could replace them with other <laughs> we weapons it, too, Jimmy. Or sometimes, uh -huh, it, uh -huh. would this be vintage figures too, or just they never ever asked to, to mess with the vintage. Mm -hmm. Number one, I always kept it up out of their reach, and like I said, they're not mint figures. They're nobody's going to invest on this collection. But the fact is, is that they're and from yeah. when I was a kid, and uh, you know, I let I let them play with the the Hot Wheels. I had a, a vinyl case with like twenty four Hot Wheels, and it that you know survived the seventies and eighties just fine. But I turn them over to my kids, and the next thing you know, the vinyl case is ripped to shreds, the plastic tray is all destroyed, and the, the cars are missing. So I'm like, <laughs> how did how did this, how did this stuff last decades? And then I get <laughs> kids for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, my, my vintage collection is off-limits. That is one part of my collection that's off-limits, um, just because I don't want them to get lost. Uh, I And the kids don't express much interest in it either. I mean, maybe they just look a little dated. Uh, my little nephew was a Star Wars fan when he was growing up. He's now 20-something. But I remember when he was, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old, he was very into Star Wars. And so I was able to, you know, share my collection with him a little bit. And he would look at those, like a vintage Luke, and just say, well, this looks like a Fisher-Price toy. What? What is this? <laughs> like, oh, no, no, kid, that's Luke Skywalker, future Jedi Knight. Oh, I don't, I don't know about this thing at all. <laughs> What's the matter with you, kid? Look at the lightsaber. I'm like, check this out. That was high technology when we were a kid. Chris, uh, have your kids shown any interest? And I mean, I know your one's just a baby still, but what about your older one? Has he showed any interest in playing with your Star Wars figures? Uh, no, no. And I've kept him away uh, from Star Wars so far because I, I want to introduce Star Wars to him when he's at an age where he can somehow understand what's happening. I mean, I, you know, I hear stories that people show Star Wars to their kids when they're three years old and stuff. And for some kids that might work, but 
you know, I don't think my kid is is ready. So I hope I can I can hold off for another year until he's five, and mm-hmm. soon five would be a good year. So yeah, that that sounds about right, Chris. Cool. Totally. Yeah, smart. I, I don't want to force it on him. Mm-hmm. Totally smart. I know. I know. You know, people are trying to show the original trilogy to their kids while they're still in the womb. And I, you know, yeah. what's the point? <laughs> what's going to happen is is they're going to be become oversaturated with it at a point where they're not really grasping the story on a whole. And so a lot of the things that we get out of the saga, once we're old enough to understand and comprehend and, and, you know, take it in and digest it and everything, you want that to be a fresh experience. You don't want them to be sick of it before they've actually been able to experience it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I fear that. And I hear from a lot of Rebel Force Radio listeners that, you know, they're, they, they really have a lot of anxiety over this kind of thing. And uh, I think that, yeah, five or six years old, I think that's a pretty good time to get them into it. And, uh, of course, the preferred screening order nowadays, if you're going to show them all six parts, is four, five, one, two, three, six. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard that one, too, talk. yeah. And it, when you think about it, it is kind of effective the way you jump back in time to sort of fill in the blanks before the mm-hmm. story gets resolved. Of course, uh, of course, now, by a lot of these time these kids grow up, there's going to be seven, eight, nine, maybe 10, 11, 12, and, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be much more complicated. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'll be way more complicated. And, and, and the kids are going to be like, how come there's no angry birds in this movie? <laughs> oh, don't even start. Don't even start. With the- See, but that's the thing, though. Like, the, the Star Wars, it's just everywhere. You know, just yesterday, we're at McDonald's. I'm getting my kid a Happy Meal. And sure enough, I get a Happy Meal with, with a Star Wars Angry Birds bucket. You know, I had no idea that McDonald's was was doing a Star Wars Angry Bird kind of promotion at this point. But, you know, it's just it's everywhere, you know. So it's it's kind of hard to actually keep him keep him away from from anything Star Wars related, you know. But I'll try. All right. Let's uh, get back on track. Um, I'm sorry. One more thing. The vinyl collector's case. I got this Christmas of 79 and it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, do you have you ever had? I, I didn't get one of these when I was a kid. I think I had no. Well, no, I, I didn't have any vinyl case. I had the Vader collector's case, but uh, uh, a bunch of my friends did. I think uh, I thought it was cool, but you know, when you see the um, when you see the Star Wars Darth Vader collector's case, that trumps all. So I did not have one. Wish I did. Mm-hmm. Have a, have quite a few of them now. So yeah, yeah. yeah fun nice. little. Fun little case, really cool graphics. And so, the artwork, yeah. I think it managed to, yes. to pretty much get in every character that was. Yeah, real. they uh, they crowbarred everybody on the top for really sure. Really nice, really nice. Uh, Ryan, did you ever have the vinyl collector's case? I didn't have the Star Wars one. I had the Empire one. But mm-hmm. one of the coolest things about these cases, I thought, wasn't just that they held the characters, but that you could flip them over and they had the foot pegs on them. And you could use them as yes. like their own little play sets. I thought yeah. that was just awesome. That's right. yeah. I still Very use cool. those for displaying my figures. I have all my figures on, on the case trays. All my vintage figures displayed on them. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Chris, did, did these cases make it to Germany? Do you, do you know? I, I don't know. I, yeah. I just know I never had them. Uh-huh. Although, like the uh, like you guys just mentioned, the artwork on them is so cool looking that that is still on my list of items to pick up. Um, so... Hopefully I'll be able to pick one of those. Did you see the speaking of the artwork at Celebration Six? They were selling the magnets that had the artwork for these cases on them. Did you see those magnets? 
Yeah. Got them. Yeah. Oh, they're so great. They're on my fridge. They just I they love them. Mine, in Europe as well. mine too. Mine yeah. too. Yeah. Jimmy, did you have the uh, action figure collector's case? I loved the action figure. I mean, those vinyl cases. It's my fondest memories of having Star Wars action figures was just the goal of filling the, those trays. You you didn't mm-hmm. want to have any open trays. I always left one of the taller open trays on the second. You know, they had the two trays you would put. And I always followed the way that the inserts that I mentioned before would would have them in there. You know, you'd have Chewbacca. I, let me, I can even remember how the first tray looked. Uh, top row from left to right. Chewbacca, Luke, Leia, Han, Ben. I think it was Ben. Might have been 3PO in that one. And then the other tall one was Darth Vader. And then underneath them, you had shorties. You had R2. And then who was next to him? <laughs> it was uh, like Sand Person. I think yeah. it was called. Was it called Sand Person? Sand People. You see, my brother will occasionally refer to a Tuscan Raider as a sand person. And I always have to correct him. I'm like, dude, nobody calls it a sand person. It's either plural sand people or (laughs) Tuscan Raider. Right. Straight. Uh, Oh, that's a sand person. These these cases came with little stickers with, uh, you know, all the character names. Did you put the stickers on? I did because and they had two of each. So I put it at the top of the uh, the uh, compartment and at the bottom of the compartment. Mm-hmm. And I still have that in my collection. Uh, I often seek these out at toy shows or conventions. And I notice that the snap is often ripped, um, that it might ha- have suffered some tears in the actual vinyl itself. But I still have my original. And uh, the plastic on the front was never really smooth. It was always kind of bubbly. And uh, that's not, and it's still that way, but that's not something that happened over the course of time. It was just always like that. And I saw other ones where it was much smoother. And um, I still have all the figures in there. And just the fact that, yes, you could turn those trays over and use those pegs. One of my favorite uh, functionalities of Star Wars figures was the fact that they had those pegs on their feet. It made standing them so easy and posing them. Yes. And that was actually revolutionary because n- nothing else had that at the time. That was a genius idea. Po- pose, posing them, Jim, what do you, what, what do you mean? Uh, arms up, uh, then arms down, one arm up, one arm down? Essentially. Or, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, you have Ben sweeping his saber through a stormtrooper. You could kind of have him standing on one let foot you know just one leg and he's got his arms up there's no way you could do that without having those pegs and i used to travel i used to travel with the case when i go visit my grandparents my mom's side of the family is from northern mississippi every summer we would do a car trip down there and then my parents would drive back and i would stick around for a couple weeks just hanging out with my grandmother and my uncles and my grandfather and i always remembered having this downstairs bedroom with this giant bed. I mean, it was ridiculously huge. And there was a huge dresser, and I would always set those trays up, and I'd set them up in little scenes and stuff. I wasn't the type of kid who played with action figures where I'd, like, have them talking to each other and go, hey, Luke, let's go this way. Blah, 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 blah. You know, to me, it was always, like, using those trays and setting them up in cool little scenarios and stuff and, and just sort of making up a story in my mind as I did that as opposed to actually acting out the story with, you know, 
dialogue. <laughs> I like how the I, kids do in the commercials. I think know. I did like the kids did in the commercials. Like, I, I did hey, that, Luke! I did that, too. I did that, too. I, I think We're I was, waiting for a new Stormtrooper to show up. All we have to do is get to the store and, and beg for another one. <laughs> but see, I never was into troop building or anything back then. It was more about collecting. I, I was, even as a 10-year-old, I was more about collecting these things than actually like playing with them. And that maybe that's why I still have them and they're all in pretty decent condition because that was the extent of, of my playing with them was setting them up on these play sets or these trays that had those valuable pegs on them that would fit in the feet so perfectly. And, and to this day, I still kind of have a huge display of star Wars action figures and they're all just sort of, you know, just standing there. They're not doing much. So I gotta, I, I gotta bring some life into my collection or something. Maybe start posing them again. You know, get that stormtrooper on the one leg as Ben sweeps the saber through his torso. And how <laughs> cool would that have been if it was actually was in a new hope? That's the great, thing about these action figures is that you would be able to visually fill in the blanks because who's to say that obi-wan didn't bump into a few troops there on the death star you know and the, oh excuse me i uh he starts snapping and they're like we're not buying it dude so he'd have to whip out the saber and chop him in half and sneak on by and uh you know yeah. what's that top gassing i don't know <laughs> what the hell is top gassing so and I would, you know, you would, I would probably play with them more with something like maybe the Death Star playset. Maybe there I would have a little more interaction with them because there was just so much to do with that set. You know, you let's get on this elevator boom, up there. Hey, look at the size of this gun. Let's sit here and shoot, you know, blast these uh, TIE fighters. But the TIE fighters are launching from the Death Star. You can't shoot them. No, we will shoot them. That'll catch them off guard. See, I, now See, you were playing coming. with your toys like that. I can tell now. <laughs> Guys, it's all coming out of me now. Yeah. It's like I'm feeling like uh, I should have been playing with these figures more. And now at the age of 44 years old, when we are done with this podcast, I am going upstairs into my Star Wars room. And, and gosh darn it, I'm going to play with these son of bitches. Yeah. And me have, too, have man. You got me all bitch. fired up now. Jimmy, let's uh, let's round of applause, everybody. Yeah. Round of applause. You should... You should uh, you should you should record this. I think this would be you know something very, you should re- you should you should. This is audio that needs to come out. Once very, you, this is a very cathartic moment. <laughs> yeah. Guys, kind of came come out of the uh, Star Wars childhood playing closet here, Jimmy. This is great. <laughs> and I did keep all the figures in my closet. I had this um, closet as a kid. Um, it was in my bedroom, and it was these uh, double doors that would open up. And so I had the play sets all on the floor. And, um, you know, I'd have them separated in the, you know, this part here is the Empire. This is Tatooine. Over here is Hoth. And, and so, yeah, I, I'd have them all there on the floor. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That, that old, that old closet still probably has the marks on the wall when I would take those like Chinese throwing stars and whip them at the wall. <laughs> the closet. I figured no one would notice because the clothes would all be covering it up. But at one, at one point, my mom opened up the, she was going through my clothes and said, you know, with her northern Mississippi accent, what has he been doing in hair to the wall? You know, so I got in a little bit of trouble for that. But, <laughs> memories from the closet now. All right. It's all coming wow. out. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing is when you start talking about 
these these vintage toys. And when you grew up in the era and you really start to get down to the nitty gritty of the things that you remember about them and, and you know, the first time you saw them, the first time you were around, it, it takes you back to being that 10-year-old. And when you start thinking about that, other memories start flooding in. And so oh, yeah, we were... I'm remembering these tr- childhood trips to my grandma's house and, and the Chinese throwing stars at the closet wall and all that stuff. It all just kind of falls in together. We were pretty lucky, pretty lucky to grow up in that era. How about it? It was it was a really good time. And there was nothing there previous. I don't know what you guys were into prior to Star Wars. For me, it was Six Million Dollar Man. That was, was me, too. That was my six million dollar man, you know. And of course, you had Kenner there making the 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 toys to go along with it. You know, they didn't come up with a kick ass action figure idea until Star Wars. We were still playing with dolls, you know. It's like, <laughs> like <laughs> I think I was I think I was doing the uh, I think I was doing the evil Knievel thing back then. That was cool too. I yeah. had that. Sure. Yeah. Evil it had a few. I, I I know I had the uh, the Snake Canyon rocket. Oh. I, I I the thing about the Evil Knievel thing is you can rev up that <laughs> that rear wheel, get it going so fast, and then hold it over Elena Kropolis's long hair and just watch that thing eat it right <laughs> out of her head because it would spin so fast. Her hair would get caught in it, and it was yeah. Just, uh, it was a, God, that was, those were that's those are those were great toys. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, just a, a fantastic time. And the GI Joes with the Kung Fu grip, of course, you know. Again, dolls, uh, but uh, you know, GI Joe was a badass, and we all knew it. Um, so those are probably the yeah, the, those are the big three prior to Star Wars and the Migos. Can't forget the the Migos, the the superheroes, Batman, all that. Yeah, those are all cool. I like. Migos. No, I'm, th- I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking the uh, uh, Miko. Uh, what, what were they? Miko. Uh, uh, God, what were the, what were uh, Jason? What were those? Uh, those uh, Micronauts. 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 God, jeez. Yeah. All right. Well, that was part of the Star Wars Fallout, though. Oh, was it? Was it? Okay. Yeah, okay. That yeah, was, that makes that post, makes sense. Post, post, a lot of uh, actually a lot of Star Wars Fallout after that. You know, we could do a whole show on part of the Star Wars Fallout. Probably be pretty interesting. You know, oh, yeah. so much stuff came out, right? I mean, Star Trek, you know, three and three quarter inch, uh, Micronauts, Buck Rogers, Black, uh, yeah, Black Hole. That'd be a good, yeah, definitely. And that pretty much concludes uh, this part of our look at the Kenner Vintage figures. We'll uh, we'll definitely continue on on this. Uh, another show we'll we'll uh, get back to the vehicles and some of the play sets that came around but uh wow that was a good discussion guys um i'd really uh like to thank everyone for uh, for joining us on the show tonight um tom from igrupstarwars.com <laughs> definitely don't have to be looking at uh any internet uh photo reference for shows like this uh been been living with these little guys for 35 years so i love it thanks guys and from JediBusiness.com, Chris V. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jimmy Mack, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure. No, it was great, Chris. Thanks yeah. a lot, man. Cool. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. And uh, our good friend, Ryan. Always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me once again. And from Rebel Force Radio, Jimmy Mack. Thanks a lot, guys. Jason, Chris, uh, Ryan, and Tom. You guys really know your stuff when it comes to uh, vintage Star Wars. And I was so excited when you got a hold of me and told me what the topic was going to be because really that just the whole year, 1979, when I think back to being 10 years old and a Star Wars fan, I mean, really the, the memories are, are very 
crystal clear to me and, 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 and very vibrant. And so I was really happy to go down memory lane with you guys. And, uh, the cool thing about Star Wars is that it, it's still lasting. So, I mean, you know, you think about the past and it's easier to apply to the present because Star Wars is so alive and so well. And if you don't mind me just taking a second to, uh, thank you guys again and, uh, I just want to get the word out about Rebel Force Radio. We're talking all things Star Wars from news to collecting. And, you know, we throw in a, a few laughs in between and we can be found at rebelforceradio.com. We're part of the Shot Glass Digital Radio Network and uh, all of our programming can be found at shotglassdigital.com. So we invite everyone to come and hang out and talk about all things wars with us uh, each and every week and uh, with our guests. We do a, a lot of interviews. Uh, we talk to a lot of uh, players in the Star Wars universe uh, on a regular basis. So uh, please come and uh, hang out with us after you're done listening to Galaxy of Toys. <laughs> Guys, I, I can't even think about a Star Wars collecting conversation I've had that has been so much fun and just like, like I, I, it's almost like, you know, when you when you take things back to the basics and back, you know, you put yourself in that mindset of when you were an innocent young kid Star Wars fan and the, the sense of wonder and anticipation and 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 fun that you had with the franchises something that is almost like putting jumper cables on my fandom. And so I love the flashback and I love to remember those fond times. And I, I love to, to think about it because then I can apply it to the present and take my kids along for a similar ride, because it's always good to go back and refresh yourself and remind yourself what makes you a star Wars fan. And when we're talking about the year 1979, uh, to me, that's uh, going right back to the core. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jimmy, speaking of shot glass digital, um, I'm a big fan of Geek Out Loud. Yes. Yes. And oh, I really want to get uh, Steve Glossin on our show at some point. So I don't know if he listens to this, but I will definitely be trying to get in touch with him at some point to try to get him on the show as well, because I'd love to hear him talk about Star Wars toys. Yeah, especially if you want to get him going on vintage. Mm hmm. Definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. That'd be great. I, I definitely want to get in touch with him. Love that he's such a lovely guy. I mean, it'll be awesome to hear. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so remember, you can contact us at galaxyoftoys at gmail.com. Follow us on uh, Twitter at Galaxy of Toys. Facebook, facebook.com slash Galaxy of Toys. That is it for tonight. So I will say good night, but not goodbye. Just one more round, friend. Then a homeward bound, friend. Don't forget me in your dreams Just one more song, friend And then so long, friend The nights get shorter, it seems Just one more rhyme, friend Yes, it's a crime, friend But you know time, friend Time can fly so it's good night, friend. Good night, but not goodbye.